Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. Good morning, Bethlehem Covenant Church. So glad that you have joined us here on this Sunday, July 16th. I hope you are well um, and that your week has gone well with God and that you've had maybe some rest even in the summertime or if you've had to work, that it's been good work. Uh, just a couple things as we begin our, uh, before I get into the sermon here for this day. Um, but the first one is wanted prayers uh, for Leo and Tracy Hernandez. We have put up on our uh, web, uh, our church email and Facebook page, a link where you to GoFundMe if you would like to support them financially, but you can also support them in prayers. For Leo Hernandez, just one of those things that's out of the blue, uh, found out that he has stage four cancer. And if you know the Hernandez family, they we love them. They, everyone loves them. Uh, they love our church family, been here, and are deep part of the community. And they are people of great faith. And uh, they have wonderful hope and peace in God uh, during this time. Um, but prayers for Leo and his pain, prayers for um, the results of the biopsies and and the plan forward and just trusting in God for all of that and if you'd like to give as well uh, to supporting some of their medical expenses you can on the Facebook page as well as the uh, our church email we've had um, a really good week at camp from what I've heard uh, the high schoolers had a wonderful camp and there continues to be a couple more camps that'll be coming up so prayers for all of our campers and as they come back home, that they would continue in that journey with God. Um, we have a baptism service coming up. And if you would like to be baptized, have never been, um, please call me, text me, let me know. Uh, we are planning that now. It should be in the next few weeks that we will have that baptism service. And we always connect it with food. We have a dinner together, a barbecue um, and uh, people bring side dishes to share and it's in someone's backyard and so that is always fun as well uh, with uh, our baptism service but let me know if you are interested in and then our final announcement is that this Saturday at 8 30 in the morning um, we are going to have a guest from Honduras come her name is Fernanda and she works with Growing Hope and she is one of their representatives there for that country. She works with farmers over there. And uh, Growing Hope partners farmers here, uh, but not just farmers, just people who care about agriculture and people being fed and food and all that kind of stuff with farmers in other places. And she's going to share some of the stories of how, how what farming is like there in Honduras, what are some of their challenges, what are some of the resource needs. Um, and then, you know, there's ways that Growing Hope helps with farming over there and ways that we can help here and and um, partner with them. And and I just love the idea of farmers helping farmers. We've got many in this church and in this community. And I love the idea of maybe sometime going over there on a mission trip to be able to visit some of those families that we are working on. And so that is something new for us. And so this Saturday, Fernanda's coming. We're going to have breakfast at 8.30 at the church. Anybody who would like to come can come. And she's going to share some of her stories, some pictures we're going to eat together. And it'll be just about an hour uh, together here, and you're invited if you would like to. 
All right, we're moving on to the second week in our Be Still series uh, that we are in. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me over to Exodus chapter 14. I'm going to read that chapter for us, the familiar story of God uh, parting the waters there uh, for the Israelites to cross over on dry ground. And there's a word, be still, that is spoken in that that we could think about today. So it says this, then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Hiroth between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite of Baal-Saphon. Pharaoh will think that the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And so the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their mind about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go. We've lost their service. So he and his chariots made ready and took, he took his army with him. And he took 600 of his best chariots along with all the chariots of Egypt and officers with them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all the Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near pi Hiroth, opposite of baal Siphon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and they saw him there. And there were the Egyptians marching after them, and they were terrified. They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to this desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us to Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in this desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move forward now. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the waters so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. For the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And then the angel of God, who had been traveling out in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind. And the pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood between and behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. And throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other, so that neither went near the other all night long. And then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind, and it turned into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, and a wall of water on their right and another on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. And during the last watch of night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and the cloud at the Egyptian army, and they, he threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let us get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, now stretch out your hand again over the sea.' 
so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen and the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and another on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and the Israelites saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when they saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. I love this scripture and the amazing things that we learn about God and his ways. There are so many powerful stories like this in the Bible of the things that God has done. I mean, all of creation obeys his every command. He opened up a mighty sea for his people to cross. Their enemy was approaching and they were trapped. And so God just stops the water and he opens a way for them where there had been no way. He opens the door. And that should increase all of our faith today that no matter the challenge before us, I mean, if, if God is for us, then who can stand against? He can part the sea. I want to just say a little connection here for us as we begin that you may not have thought about, but that struck me this week. And that is that as for us Christians, the main story of our faith and our salvation is the cross. Right? I mean, that's where we were saved, upon the cross. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will no longer perish, but have everlasting life. God sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins, which means that we don't die for our sins, because he did in our place. I mean, talk about grace. For on the cross, Jesus took all our sins and shame, and he died for us so that nothing would be able to now separate us from God and that we might live forever with him. And Jesus even said in John 11 that he is the resurrection and the life and all who believe in him will live even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in him will never really die. The moment we give our life to Christ is the moment we already cross over from death to life. And he comes to live with us and in us. And we no longer have to fear death because he is there waiting. I will never forget Carolyn Babcock's words as she faced death. She was heard praying, thank you for the cross. That is where she was saved. She had peace with God and peace in that moment because she knew the Lord had already opened the door for her and she had already walked through it many years before when she put her faith in him. The Lord had already made a way where there had been no way. He did it on the cross. He washed all our sins away, and he prepares a place for us. It is his promise and guarantee. I say all of this to open, because I believe that the crossing of the Red Sea is kind of a foreshadow of what God was going to do for all of humanity 
through Christ on that cross. And in an even more powerful way than the parting of the waters and delivering his people out of physical slavery, our God opened up the curtain, the dividing wall between himself and mankind. He saved us out of the bondage of sin and death, and he brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves as only he can. And by faith, we have a forever life now with God. We cross over, and all our sins are now washed away. Not all our troubles, but all of our sins. <laughs> and we enter into a life now with God the moment we put our faith in Him. And I want us to never lose sight of that and to daily thank Him for the cross, for His salvation and the life with Him that we have as we look forward to the future we have with Him, all because of the miracle He did for us. And so I think that this Red Sea story is a foreshadow of what God was going to do for all of humanity. Well, coming back to our scripture now and the things we learn of God within it, we learn when Pharaoh finally surrendered and let God's people go, that that wasn't the end. <laughs> you know, the people rejoiced and they packed up their things and with Moses out front, they all left. And in chapter 13, you know, they still had a journey ahead. It begins now, right? And in chapter 13, verse 17, it says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God right away was leading them. And it says he didn't lead them on a road through the Philistine country, which he could have, though that was the shortest route, it says. But God knew his people, knew what they could handle. So it says he knew that if they faced war right away, they might change their minds and just go back to Egypt. So instead, it tells us, that God led the people around that desert road instead towards the Red Sea. So God was leading them. It's a great thing. The Lord didn't just save them and then abandon them. He went with them from day one. Exodus 13 tells us that God gave them a sign that he was there with them. He put a cloud out front to guide them during the day. And he put a fire at the sky at night, saying his presence is always there before them, lighting the way. How wonderful that is. I mean, think about that. God didn't just save them from Egypt and then leave them to find their own way from then on. But immediately, he was with them, protecting them from another enemy, saving them and staying with them along the way, right? Knowing what they can handle, what they can't. He goes with us. And I think that's also similar to what we have in Christ. We who have put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, in that moment of faith, we are saved. But God doesn't save us and say, hey, good luck with this life. I'll see you in heaven. No. When we repent of our sin, we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It says that he gives us the Holy Spirit right then and there. He comes to live with inside of us. And he goes with us now in life. Father, our shepherd, our guide, our Lord, our friend, every day, every moment we face, we now face it with him. Just like he was with the Israelites. He goes with them on the journey. Psalm 139 says, Oh Lord, you have searched me, you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. I mean, he's that aware of you. 
You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. You hem me in, going behind and before me. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Our God goes before and behind us. He was with you yesterday. He is present with you right now. And he already has a plan for your tomorrow. You are surrounded by God as you walk through life. For the Israelites, God delivered them, but now immediately from day one was going to lead them, going out front and watching their back at the same time. And this is so very important for us to see, that God was indeed the one leading them. In Exodus 14.2, God told them to camp where they were to camp at Pi Hieroth. Verse 1 says, the Lord said to Moses this. So where they are is where he wants them to be. I'm just going to say that again. Where they are is where exactly he wants them to be. God had his reasons. What's really cool in our story is God begins to reveal part of those reasons and plan to Moses of why he led them to this spot. He said in verse 3, I want you to do this, to camp there and to go there, so that Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering in confusion, and I will then harden Pharaoh's heart, and he's going to pursue you. But don't fear because I'm going to gain glory for myself, God says. The Egyptians are going to know I am the Lord. So basically what he's saying is, as scary as this might feel for you, you are exactly where I want you to be. Pi-Hiroth was a spot that no army would want to be in. You were sitting ducks there with a mountain on one side and a great sea on the other, and there is nowhere to go. So when Pharaoh and his army came charging down towards him, the Israelites appeared to be trapped. And in our chapter, we read that Pharaoh in his pride thought, I got them now, right? They got nowhere to go. They don't know what they're doing. They're just wandering here. We can take them easily and get our slaves back. So he charges after them. And the Israelites, fearing the worst, they cry out to Moses. And they say, was it because there's no graves in Egypt? You brought us out here to die in the desert? And that's exactly what they felt. It's exactly what they thought was going to happen. For it would appear, looking at their circumstances, this is what's going to happen. But if we read the story, we see that God led them around the Philistine country already because he knew them and what they could handle and what would be too much for them. So God, we know, is already watching out for them. He's already caring about them, and he's leading them, protecting them already. So his desire here, you see, is not going to be to harm them. And we learn that God brought them to this scary place for a reason. And so as confused as they may be in this moment and as hopeless as it all may feel in this moment, the truth is they are exactly where God wants them to be. We've got to remember this and focus on the truth instead of feelings or circumstances. Our feelings are not always right, though there are feelings. And our circumstances are never any match for our God. The truth of Him 
sets us free. The truth of God restores peace. Our faith is in God, not our feelings or circumstance, however it appears. And if we are seeking after the Lord and in prayer, then we have to trust that where we are is exactly where God wants us to be. Now, if you are walking in sin and rebelling against God, you're going to know it and his spirit will be relentless trying to push you to where you need to be. But if you are walking with God and you find yourself in a tough place, then be still and know he is God and you are where you are supposed to be. You may not see it yet, but you will. And we may not always want to hear that. Because if I was, if I, you know, in my humanness was charting the course of my life, I don't think that I would pick the same path that God would pick for me. I don't know, but I think that I would maybe pick the safest route, the shortest path, the, the most comfortable life for me and my family, the one of the least pain and struggle. And it's not that God doesn't also want that for us. He does. But it's just that he wants something better. And his ways are not our ways. And his purposes for our life are bigger than us. His dreams, bigger than our dreams. God led the Israelites in this moment to a dangerous place where it appeared a big army would literally overcome them. And they thought that they were going to die. But this is exactly where God wanted them. Because this was the place where he was going to do a miracle that they would talk about for generations. And where he was going to be revealed to the world. You know, when you and I bow our heads and pray for things, and we give our life to the Lord and put it into his hands to use, we are trusting it to Christ, however he chooses to use us, whatever he deems best for his purposes, that others might come to see him through us, that his will would be done, that he would get the glory. The Israelites were God's people. They were to be a light for God, to be displayed in the world. And so from day one, he led them away from a bad place. But then he led them to a place where, yes, they would feel trapped between mountain and a sea and an army. And yes, it would appear as though they had nowhere to run, nowhere to go, but God. God led them to a place where the only way forward was him. I have watched many times in my lives, my life and in the lives of others, where God led where we didn't want to go, only to find it was exactly where we needed to be, for it was where he would make himself known. Something that I wouldn't have chosen didn't see even at first, but then later look back and say, man, it was God's plan. I've had disappointments or things that I thought were the worst that turned out to be the best. Doors closed that I really wanted opened only to later pray, thank you, God, you knew what was best for me. At the time, we can't always see it. Well, sure, we feel things. We fear things. 
But later we see the truth of the one who goes before us. God did not lead his people out of slavery to abandon him, nor did he lead them into trouble for no reason. He always had a plan to fully rid them of Egypt once and for all and to gain glory for himself and to be revealed to the Egyptians. They just now needed to trust him in this moment and be still, to not give up on God right now. In verse 10, it says, when Pharaoh and all his horses and chariots and troops came down that mountain and Israel saw them, they were terrified and they cried out to the Lord and then they spoke to Moses. Was it because there's no graves in Egypt you brought us to this place to die? What have you done? Didn't we say, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in this desert. And what I find so striking about their words there is that they said it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in this desert. This is so big for me because the word serve is in there. You know, for not only are they giving up on God already at the start of the journey, but, but they were called to love and serve just one God, one God alone. But what happens to us in fear is that we're tempted to give up on that God and to turn back and to settle for something so much less with our life, and to end up serving something so much less than God in order to preserve that which we are too afraid to lose, which isn't even good for us, which isn't who we really are in the first place. God's people can't see. They're exactly where he wants them, and just moments away from the greatest miracle that they'll ever see. They just need to now keep trusting in God and be still, and he's going to do it. Don't give up on God. Remember the word and, and all the stories you have learned since Sunday school of Abraham and Sarah and, and Joseph in prison and Moses and the Israelites and Gideon and Deborah and Ruth and Naomi and David and Goliath and, and the Elijah and the prophets and Daniel and Lions and, and Esther and Peter and the disciples and the crippled man and the blind man and the leper and the father's father whose little girl played dead in, in her bed and, until Jesus came and the woman with a bleeding illness and Stephen and Paul and the early church. This is, this is the moments when God does his miracles. It's the worst of times when God does the greatest of things. It's, we've got a Bible full of those stories. Remember, you know the famous story of Jesus and the disciples at sea when the storm comes up? Well, have you ever seen the verse that is right before that story? It tells us that Jesus was the one who led them into the water. He was the one who told his disciples to get into that boat and to cross that sea that night. My friends, Jesus led them into the storm because it would be in the storm that he would reveal his glory and show who he exactly was. This is our God. He doesn't lead us the shortest route, nor does he take us the easiest or most comfortable way. He takes us the best way, the way that's going to reveal his glory to a world that we and others might know he is God, the Savior of the world. And so after you see the Israelites cry out in fear and want to turn back in that critical moment, this is so cool, God gives Moses what I believe is Moses' best speech and most important speech. Moses gathers the people and he says to them in Exodus 14, 13, don't be afraid. 
Stand firm and you're going to see the deliverance of the Lord going to bring to you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you're never going to see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And the Hebrew word for still uh, means relax, to let go, to cease in our striving, to stop fighting, to surrender. Not surrender to the Egyptians or our fears, but surrender to God and who God is. To trust in God. It's a resolve, you see, that he is who he is and he will do what he can do. <laughs> Stillness does not mean laziness. It is not apathy. It is not doing nothing. It's a full out trust in God to be God in that moment just as he has promised. Even if the circumstances appear to be scary or hopeless, they're not. To be still means to not fear, to not fight, to not flee, but to keep the faith in God. In the Bible, the word still is connected to the word wait, which also means hope. And hope means to anticipate, to count on, to look forward to what God is going to do. It is what Moses is saying to the people. He's saying, don't be afraid. Put your hope in the Lord. Stand firm. Hold on. Don't give up on God now. Be still and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. So don't fear. Hang on with God for the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Psalm 42, verse 5 says, Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. It's saying, I'm going to keep trusting in God. I'm going to keep praising God. The Israelites weren't to fight. They weren't to fear. They weren't to flee. Rather, in that moment, they were to be still, to stand firm in faith, trust in God who had delivered them and was not going to leave them who went before and behind them to trust in his power and to be ready to move at his command. To put our hope in the Lord requires patience, humility, long-suffering obedience, and endurance. To keep on believing, to hold on and seek his ways, to not panic or react, but wait to be led by his most perfect plan. After Moses encourages the people, God then tells him his command to raise his staff. And then God begins to divide the water. He opens a way where there had been no way. He does the impossible, something they could have never seen coming, when only God can do. Now, if they had not been still, they would have never known the salvation of the Lord, never seen what they couldn't see. In their fear, they would have fought maybe and died or fled and ended up slaves again. But because they waited on the Lord in his way, a way opened that they hadn't envisioned. And they were finally rid of Egypt and God got the glory in it. The Lord parted the sea so the Israelites could walk on dry ground. And then God hardened the hearts of the Egyptians so that they would follow into the sea. And for a time, I love this part, for a time it almost appeared they were going to catch him. So what does God do? The scripture says the angel of the Lord that had been traveling in the front moves to the back. That invisible protection of God 
now is protecting them from the enemy and from danger. And then he even says he started making their wheels of their chariots fall off, giving them difficulty. I mean, man, the Lord is able. And so the Egyptians started to see the Lord is fighting for the Israelites. And so just at that time, God releases the waters to flow again, and it sweeps the whole Egyptian army away in one moment without Israel having one casualty. Not one soldier had to even lift one sword. The whole Egyptian army was just gone. And it says in verse 30 that on that day the Lord saved Israel. And when the people saw the great power of the Lord, they feared the Lord and put their trust in him. You see, this is why it's so important that we be still. For the people could have not seen that way forward or accomplished that on their own. Only God could have done that kind of a miracle. The word be still in this Bible story that God gave Moses to speak, it meant don't fear. Don't flee. Don't fight. Don't give up on me right now. Stand firm in the faith. Get ready to follow wherever I will lead you. Even if it's into this river that you never thought would be the way. I love this story for many reasons. But perhaps most because I see myself in it. Many different times. Even just in the little things, I panic. I start going down a path with God and, and do something that I think maybe he's calling or wanting me to do. And, and then trouble immediately comes. And I want to retreat. I want to think that maybe it's not right. Why, why this? Why that? And, or maybe even think that it's over when really it's just begun. And sometimes God gives me the strength to hold on, or at least that I take it, I mean, and to not react so fast, to not let my mind go to that place, that worst-case scenario in my head, but to remember God and just hold on, be still, wait for it, and see why God brought you here and what God is going to do next that you can't even imagine. How is God going to use this? How is God going to be displayed in this moment? Do I trust that he's leading me and others? If so, then why am I afraid? I am exactly where I am supposed to be. So maybe my feelings are just feelings, but not the truth. But the truth is that God is with me, and he loves me. He's got me, and he will be exalted among the nations. So lately, my prayer has been more. Give me patience. Give me greater faith, God. Give me courage in this moment. Give me stillness. Give me hope. To not fear. To not fight. To not flee. But to wait. Hold on. Stand firm. Be ready to go wherever he's going to lead. That I can't see yet. For we're here for a reason. And he who began the good work will complete it. His purposes will be accomplished. We need only to be still. Have a wonderful Sunday.
Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church's information and events, head to bccwaverly.org.